I want to read one verse out of the chapter that I preached from yesterday morning. Look at Romans 6, 14. For sin, the singular is talking about that sin nature, that Adamic nature. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. That first half of that verse is emphasized in chapter 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you. The last half of that verse is emphasized in Romans 7. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, if I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But the husband, if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man. She shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she's no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now here's a key verse in this chapter. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also become dead to the law. In Romans 6, we saw we're dead. To sin. You become dead to the law by the body of Christ as you should be married to another. Even to him who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God. You may be seated. I'll leave some word of prayer. Get into the message. I want to preach with the help of God this morning on free from the law. Oh, happy condition. And I won't be giving you a license to sin. You can forget about that. Let's pray. Would you pray in your heart as a problem that only God can make this service what it ought to be? <coughs> now, Father, our God in heaven, God, Father, it's so good to be back. So good, God, to be saved. Jesus, you're the best thing ever happened to us, ever will happen to us. Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, forgive us for not loving you like we should. Please enable us, God. And Father, enable us to love you at all of our heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Thanks for all these, our precious brothers and sisters in Christ. God, there's just no people like your people. No God like you. No one like you, Jesus. Oh, precious Jesus, precious Jesus, precious Jesus. God, in Jesus' name, please reveal and in, reveal and dwell in Christ just more and more. Grant, grant Christ may be really, really formed in us. Help to know the Christ life for the Seth life. Give us light this morning. Father, only you can cause us to see truth. Open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding may know truth. that liberate us and set us free for the glory of God. Please see to that one's come now get spiritual help. 
Jesus name, I beg you, meet the spiritual needs of everyone here. If there's one here lost, God save that soul. Don't let anyone in here die without God and go to hell. Please give us a greater mind, a greater love for lost souls. I'll just do what we can try to keep people from going to hell. Oh, God. Please, God, bless all these men of God. Bless them, God. I pray keep the devil away from them. Jesus' name, keep the devil out of this service right now. I pray the blood of the Lamb of God against you. Knowing you said overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of the testimony, the love the life unto death. All right. <coughs> I'm going to give you some introductory material, and then we'll get into the body of the message. In Romans chapter 6, we, how to, we see how to stop doing bad things. In Romans chapter 7, we see how not to do good things. Yeah, you heard me right. In Romans 7, we see how not to do good things. There's a right way and a wrong way to do good. Romans 6, the emphasis upon sin. Romans 7, the emphasis is upon the law. And of course, in Romans 8, the emphasis is upon the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you three attitudes towards the law. And I hope this will be of some help. And I hope it will clear some things up. Because, boy, there's a lot of misunderstanding in these days. Yes, sir. Of what I want to deal with before I get into the other part of the message and when I get into the last half of the message, I'm going to use an object lesson. And I think, you, I think you'll really enjoy it and be able to help and a blessing to you. I've got a broom that I don't need yet, but any minute, my top coat, I'll use that. You say, what in the world are you going to do with that broom? Well, we're going to clean house. <laughs> no, I'm just. There are three attitudes to the law, and only one of them is right. One of them is the legalist. Another one is the libertine. A third one is the law-abiding believer. The legalist is in the ditch on this side. The libertine is in the ditch on this side. The legalist over here in this ditch is hollering across to the libertine over there in that ditch, and he said, Get out of the ditch! Hey, get out of the ditch! But the libertine is in this ditch over here saying to the legalist, Get out of the ditch! Get out of the ditch! But what they don't know is both of them are in the ditch. Dr. James W. Crompton was the greatest Christian I ever met, most powerful preacher I ever met was Dr. Percy Ray. But Dr. Crumpton preached a message back, oh, a long time ago. He's in heaven now. Percy is too. But anyway, he preached a message entitled Ditches on Both Sides of the Road. That's right. And the Bible says it's straight and what? Narrow. Since it's narrow, you don't have to go very far to get in this ditch, or you don't have to go very far to get in this ditch. It takes a whole lot of grace to stay right in the middle of that road with Jesus. That's where he's at. I, I, I promise you, Jesus is not in this ditch, nor this ditch. He wasn't yesterday, he's not today, and he won't be tomorrow. 
If you and I are going to walk with Jesus, we'll have to stay out of this ditch and stay out of this ditch. Amen. You see, the Bible says a false balance abomination to God. The devil doesn't care whether you and I go upstream or downstream just so we go to extra. What is legalism? <coughs> now, I say it only as I know how. I don't mean any harm. But most of the Baptists that I know of don't have a clue as to what legalism is. You hear it everywhere you go. He's a legalist. She's a legalist. That church is legalistic. We've been accused of that in our church. Sure. My pastor's been accused of that. I've been accused of that. Sure. I was in a meeting in South Georgia back years ago, and the pastor said, tomorrow we're going to a ministerial association meeting. He didn't use the word Baptist. I said, I want to ask you a question. Will there be anybody there? Denies the virgin, denies the virgin birth of our Lord and the deity of Christ, blood atonement. He said, Yeah. I said, I'm not going. I said, I'm not going. And he pointed his finger at me and he got mad. I mean, he got nasty with it. He said, You're a legalist. No, that's not legalism. Yet our people, no doubt in the green layer, that think we're highly legalistic. Because just for an example, just trying to get a point across. Ladies, if you have a dress all the way down to your ankles and you have a dress all the way up to your neck, but you have sleeveless dresses, you can't sing in our choir. No, it's done got quiet now. So now you say why we're accused of being legalists. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <clears throat> listen, folks, listen, listen, listen. You can have standards of that ceiling there and not be legalistic. It depends on why you're doing it. It depends on what your motive is. So, so what is legalism? It's not standards. It's not high standards. I'm going to tell you something, other. Read this book closely. The standards are high. They're extremely high. So high you can't do it in your own strength, and I can't neither. That's right. Extremely high. You take, for example, ladies, the Bible says, women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. I got news for you. That's the New Testament. That's in your Bible. That's under grace. That's under grace. That's right. I like to put plenty of clothes on. Amen. I believe men and women ought to dress right. I tell you what you do now, and I'm no legalist. I know that's what some of you think already, Paul. I'm no legalist. And I believe I'm right. You give me a bathing suit, and I'll promise you I'm going to use it for a grease rag. 
wouldn't I be a pretty sight in a bathing suit look like a watermelon with two toothpicks sticking out of it? Of course, of course, don't much understand me. I believe the Christian life should be a whole lot more positive than negative. That's right. We ought to be so in love with Him. Right. We ought to be so taken up with Him. And when we come to church, we ought to be focused on Him and, and so focused on Him until we're going to be do, doing right anyway. That's right. Woo! Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So, then what really is legalism? I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. There's two aspects of legalism, one in relationship to justification, the other in relationship to sanctification. Most of us are very clear on the one in relationship to justification. We know it's all by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing. But then there's another aspect. Legalism in relationship to sanctification. And that's where we're having a lot of problems, right there. A legalist is a person who fears the law and is in bondage to it. Legalism, when it comes to sanctification, is the belief that if you try to live up to the law, or your formula, your standards... You try to do this, you don't do that, all this, try to get it all just right, you know. Then you'll be sanctified, you'll be spiritual. No, you've got the cart before the horse. And it won't work. You're not going to be spiritual by the law. You're not going to be sanctified by the law. It's all by grace. The Christian life commences by grace, it continues by grace, and it consummates by grace. And you say, why? Well, I'll take exactly the reason why. No flesh should glory in my presence, God Amen. said. God hates pride. He hates mine. He hates yours. He hates everybody. That's what got the devil kicked out of him. Pride. But anyway, coming back to where we were. So you got the legalists in this ditch over here and the libertine in this ditch over here. Let me say something. I didn't get this out of a book. I was meditating and God gave me this. I said, I don't have. God gave me this. Now, for those of you that are lowering the standard, try to get more people in your church. And here's what God showed us. Lowering the standard is not going to solve our problems. It's going to create more than what we already got. Now get this. God showed me if you get that standard low enough, the flesh can live up to it. Are you with me? Are you with me? God help. We're wrong. Lowering the standard. Unless your standard is wrong now. See. Yeah, the flesh can live up to it. Hey, keep the standard where God put it. It's extremely high. If you don't believe it's extremely high, you haven't been reading your Bible lately. Because it says things like this, whatsoever 
You eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. So, so if you get the standard low enough, the flesh can live up to it. Keep the standard where God put it, and then you know what will happen? We'll be driven to the end of ourselves. We'll be driven to the place to where we'll say, God, if it gets done, you'll have to do it. I surrender. I turn it all over you. Jesus, you're on the inside. I've made a mess long enough. Help me to wake myself dead. Get out of the way. You do it. <laughs> Woo! He didn't come in to take a back seat. He came in to take over. He didn't come in to watch the show. He came in to run the show. He didn't come in to loaf. He came in to live. He came in to live. He came in to live. He's in you to do it. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. See, see my life text. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, yet not I, yet not I, but Christ liveth. Not just in heaven, but Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth through you and I. Now you stop and think about it. You know when Christ come, came in, you know he didn't say, now listen, I died for you and I shed my precious blood for you. You've been redeemed. You're saved now. Now I'm going to go back over here and get in the corner somewhere. Goodbye. You go ahead and live it. I'll see you when you get to heaven. i tell you what you do. You take your Bible and just read about those different occasions when Jesus went in somebody's house. Like over there in what, Luke 24. He went in the house. He stepped in that house as the guest. But once he got in, he became the host. The Bible says he took the bread. He broke the bread. He blessed the bread. And, and they didn't know him yet. They haven't recognized him yet. And I can almost hear one of them fellows saying, uh, uh, Sir, did anybody ask you to say the blessing? <laughs> no, you don't have to because he's Lord. He's Lord in the house. He's Lord outside the house. He's just Lord all the time. Woo! <laughs> he is Lord. Glory to God. Let me show you now. Let me show you that the standard under grace is higher than the standard under the law. Jesus said, now help me, how did it go? He said, you have heard it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, but I say unto you to resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn the other also. Under the law, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the standard under the law. In other words, you knock my tooth out, I could knock your tooth out. I had to do it before the officials, the judges, you know. I didn't have to do it, but I could. Under grace, I don't know. Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn the other. 
Now you stop and think about it. If you got any red blood in you at all, you know good and well that somebody smites you on the cheek, it's a whole lot easier to go, bam, than it is to put them up. You see what I'm trying to say? The standard of the grace is higher than the standard of the law. See, the last time that fellow came up behind me and you, and we didn't move as quick as he wanted when the light turned green, and he started shouting down on the horn. And when he came by us, we didn't say, God bless you. We probably did something like that. We, we, we just did wrong. We just, we didn't turn the cheek. We didn't turn the cheek. We got in the flesh what we did. Jesus said, you have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I send you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to look out to her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Those Pharisees thought as long as they didn't commit the act, they had not committed adultery. Jesus said, oh no. Whether you've committed the act or not, if you looked out to a woman in your heart, you have committed adultery. The Bible says in the Word of God, look not after her beauty. See, standard's pretty high. Pretty high. And I didn't see this one until lately, Brother Dana. But man, this clinched it. So I can find what I did with my new test, but I thought I had it right there in that pocket. Okay, I'll just read it out of my Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Boy, this settled it for me. Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole steal no more. Now, what is that? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Read on. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that need us. The law says don't steal. The grace of God says don't stop there. Go out here and go to work. Make some money to help the needy. I'm telling you, the standing on the grace is how to stand on the law. <laughs> Woo! Ain't we having fun? <laughs> You say, you say, well, I know what I'm going to do then. I'm going to stay under the law. Not me, because under the law, you don't get any help. Under the law, you own your own. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about lawlessness. I'm just trying to say that we don't try to keep the law to be spiritual. No, we got to be spiritual, which is all by grace first, and then we'll be lawful. It make you lawful. That's the book. For the grace of God teaches us denying ungodliness, worldly lusts. We should live righteously, soberly in this present world. Denying ungodliness, worldly lusts. It says the grace of God teaches that to you and I. Not just the law, the grace of God. <laughs> so you got the legalists over here. Libertine over here. This is the ditch too. Bigger than a bad one. 
It really bothers me. I don't know about you. I'm not being mean or ugly, but I'm going to tell you something about it. I like, I like to see women come to church with plenty of clothes on. Dress. Modest apparel. I like to see men go to the barber shop. Oh, that's just part of it. There's a whole lot more than that. But there's a lot of demands in this book. So many you and I can't do it in our own strength. Okay. But then there's the one that's right. The law-abiding believer who realizes that he cannot keep the law in his own energy and strength. He seeks to be filled with the Spirit of God and to live by the indwelling Christ, and then that man to be lawful. And by the way, John said his commandments are not grievous. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe God say amen to what I'm saying. If you and I have problems with the standards, and you and I have problems with living right and doing right, then we're not filled with the Spirit. We're not right with the Lord. His commandments are not grievous. Okay. So we've got the legalist, libertine, law-abiding believer. Now, it's time for me to get into the uh, object lesson. Y'all can bring on the broom and my coat, please. Notice what it says in verse 4 now. You see in verse 1, 2, and 3, you've got the illustration, the profound illustration about the husband and wife, you know. Then in verse 4, fine, thank you. In verse 4, <clears throat> you have the application. He said in verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, y'all soul become dead to the law, dead to the law. By the body of Christ, as you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, in Romans 6, we got two masters, one servant, but Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. See, we got sin over there, righteous, you can't serve both. But in Romans chapter 7, you've got two husbands, one wife. But she cannot be legitimately married but to one, and she's married to the less desirable one. And you'll see why, because that first husband represents the law, and of course the second husband represents Jesus. Who wouldn't rather be married to Jesus? Amen. <clears throat> so we'll pretend this piece of paper is the Ten Commandments but what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get down as practical as I know how and we're going to say the Ten Commandments are something like this because we got this is Mr. Law and we're going to say the coat represents Mr. Law see they're married and Mr. Law says the Miss Law says, sweep the floor. I said, sweep the floor. See, this coat represents the woman, and the woman, by the way, in that chapter, represents me and you. Represents us. I said, sweep the floor. I hope you don't talk to your wife like that. I mean, you run around there, you know, strutting around there and saying, I'm the cock-a-doodle-doo in this barnyard. Yet, if you ain't careful next thing, you know, you're going to have the whole barnyard by yourself. 
They ain't going to do it. Sweep the floor. Too weak. Too impotent. Your possibility and my possibility of living up to the demands, the law of God in this book, is just about as possible as this coat picking up that broom right there and sweeping this floor. And if you don't believe that, I'll give you two assignments that will let you see that we don't have it in ourselves. You develop a spirit-filled, dynamic, dynamic prayer life where you pray seven times a day on the power of the Holy Ghost consistently. Number two, this is even better. Now, I didn't say you had to do this to be right. But God, I'm trying to get a point across. Go soul winning every day. And go out there and witness for five, six hours every day. It won't take you long. You'll find out you ain't got what it takes apart from him. It won't take long. So, using our imaginary story, Mr. Law gets up one morning and Miss Law gets up and Mr. Law gives ten commandments and it goes something like this. Thou shalt sweep the floor. Thou shalt mop the floor. Thou shalt make up the bed. Thou shalt wash the dishes. Thou shalt cook the meals. Thou shalt take out the trash. Right on and on. Ten commandments. And then he goes off to work. Imagine that story, okay? When he comes in from work, walks in the house, the dishes are still in the sink dirty. The bed's not made up. The floor's not swept. And he begins to berate her. Humiliate her. I thought I told you to sweep the floor. I thought I told you to make up the bed. I thought I told you to wash the dishes. Well, I'm doing the best you can on the circumstances. <laughs> After all, you know, you're perfect and I ain't. <laughs> and the law is perfect. As a matter of fact, in Romans 7, it says the law is holy, it's just, it's good, it's spiritual. There's nothing wrong with that law. Hey, you want me to show you something else while we're on this? Look at chapter 3, Romans 3, 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we established the law. Hey, read the New Testament closely. You're going to find nine of them Ten Commandments right there in that New Testament. They're in there. They're in there. So, next morning gets up, same story. Thou shalt sweep the floor. Thou shalt mop the floor. Thou shalt make up the beds. And thou shalt wash the dishes, so forth and so on. And off to work he goes. Him being perfect, he has got it together. He's got it together. She's back home trying to get all them, show with all them jobs done and thinking, if I was just married to that other man. <laughs> if I was just married to Jesus. Hey, we're supposed to be thinking on the spiritual plateau. Y'all thinking on a common plateau. <laughs> now, now, if you married, if you married to some old steer, don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame me. But get your mind off that. Let's get our mind on spiritual things.
So we, so what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go over and visit them. Mr. Law, Miss Law, the friends of ours, let's go. I tell my wife, I say, honey, let's go over and see how they're doing. So we go over there, you know, and knock on the door. Well, who do you think answers the door? The one who's got it all together. Mr. Law. He comes to that door, you're talking about precise, exacting. Come on in. Have a seat. We already begin to feel uneasy. Because he's so perfect, we know we ain't. And then, then we're, we're sitting there, you know, and then a little bit he says, Come on, come on, Miss Law, come on, come on, honey. Get the food in here. Time to eat. Come on, come on, come on. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. Come on. Get that roast in here. Bring that tea. She comes in there like this. He's so perfect, she's so imperfect. He's so precise and she's not. And all of a sudden, before she gets the roast on the table, she stumbles. And there goes the roast, there goes the tea all over the place. And when she does that, and you know exactly what Mr. Law does. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt not spill the tea. Thou shalt not drop the roast. And you know how she's going to feel? Condemned. Condemned. See, if you and I try to be spiritual, try to be sanctified, try to be holy by the law, then you're going to never feel fulfilled. You, you know, you're going to never be satisfied because the law will never pat you on the back and say, oh boy, you're doing a good job. I don't care how holy you try to live under the law, that is. The law will never say you're doing a good job. It'll never pat you on the back. It'll just always, all of your life, say, Thou shalt not, and thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. You just go around feeling under condemnation. See, the Bible plainly says in Second Corinthians that the ministration of the law is a ministration of condemnation. And a ministration of death, not life. See, under the law, you're on your own. You don't get any help. Matter of fact, you read what the Bible says, Paul said in Galatians 4, he said, you have fallen from grace. That's right. That doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Folks, what that means, if we've moved out from under the spirit of grace, where God functions and operates, and then we're left on our own. Yes. Right. See, let me tell you, we say grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. We say grace is something for nothing. No, grace is everything for nothing. And get this, it was a new day of my life when I saw that the grace of God, woo, the grace of God creeps the design you and I to do right and then gives us the ability and the power to do right. God has shown me that the grace of God is not just His favorable, favorable attitude towards us, but it's His fervent activity on our behalf. So under grace, we just get all the help we need. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. All this in heaven too. <clears throat> Twenty years go by. 
Honey, let's go back over and visit Mr. and Mr. Law. Let's see how they're doing. Okay. We drive back over there. Well, who do you think opened the door? Same one. The one who always does everything just right. He opens that door. Come on in. Have a seat. Ain't changed a bit. No. No. The law is not going to pass away. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but fulfill it. So it's here to stay. It's here to stay. And so, once again, he says, Okay, honey, Miss Law, come on, come on. It's time to eat. Come on, come on. That shout, that shout, that shout. Here she comes. Remember, 20 years later. Oh, wretched woman that I am. Who shall relieve me from the body of this death? Oh, wretched woman that I am. Who shall relieve me from the body of this death? We eat the meal, we head home. On the way home, my wife looks over at me and she says, Milton, what do you think? You think they're going to make it? No. No, I don't believe they're going to make it. They're not compatible. They're not suitable. He's perfect. And she's so clumsy and retiring by nature. They're not going to be able to make it. See, if you're not married to law, you ain't going to make it. It'll shut you down dead at 4 o'clock in the morning. So we're going home. Two days later, we heard she deceased. She died. She died. <clears throat> we didn't make it to the funeral. Something came up. But <laughs> about three days later, <laughs> let's at least go down there and pay some respect. Let's put a beautiful arrangement of flowers right on her grave. Goodbye, Miss Law. It's nice knowing you. I'm sorry you had such a miserable life, such a miserable marriage. But we have to admit, we have to hand it to you. You tried. You tried. You tried and you failed. You tried and you failed. You tried and you failed. But you tried. You tried. You tried. Goodbye. We'll see you when we get to heaven. Goodbye. We start to walk away and all of a sudden we hear a rumbling. We turn and look and the ground cracks. The dust begins to rise. She gets up. Remember it's three days later. <laughs> she gets up. Woo! And the minute she gets up, guess who shows up? Mr. Law. He said, oh, you again. Thou shalt sweep the floor. Thou shalt mop the floor. Thou shalt make up the beds. Thou shalt wash the dishes. Thou shalt take the trash out. But if she knows the book, now listen to what I just said. If she knows the book, we need to study this book. If she knows the book, you know what she'll do? She'll say, oh, no. Our relationship is dissolved. Goodbye. I'm going down the road and marry Jesus. (laughs) 
See, the Bible plainly says in Romans 7, 4, Wherefore, my brethren, you also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you might be what? That you should be mad to another. Even to him who's raised from the dead, it's obvious who it is, it's Jesus. And look at this. That you should bring forth fruit unto God. It's a fruitful relationship. I'm not trying to say anything out of the way, but I believe God would have me to say this. Married to the law. Married to a code of ethics. Ten laws on two tables of stone. It's a sterile relationship. There ain't no killing going to come from that relationship. There ain't no fruit going to come from that relationship. Administration of death. Now, the coat represents the woman. The, ro- the, the woman represents me, represents me and you. Let's say for just a moment I represent Jesus. Where's Jesus set for those, of us, for those of us that are saved? She represents the woman. I mean, the coat represents the woman. Now, rep- represents me and you. I represent Jesus for just a minute now. Where's Jesus at? You know, you know what he does? He says, let's sweep the floor. You get the message. The man's done a grace of how the demands under the law. Yes. But under grace, he's on inside, and he'll do far more than his part. Yes. 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 Paul said in Ephesians 4 13, I can do all things. Right. All them demands, all them commands. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that's not Christ on outside giving us strength. That's Christ on inside yes. giving our strength. He's in me and you. He came in to live. He came in to do it. Hallelujah. I have a message I entirely stop trying and start trusting. <laughs> He's in there to do it. He's the only one that can do it. We're going to have to get to the place where we see that and turn it loose. Let go. Let God. Give up. Let Jesus take over. Surrender all. Surrender all. Father, Father, I thank you.